The Gospel of John, chapter 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so would the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I read this passage, (laughs) I just think about that song. Do you love me? Do you love me? Um, That's what's echoing in my brain whenever I hear this. But also what comes to mind when I meditate on this passage is 
What good are my failures? What good are my wounds? Do they have any purpose? And, you know, in a world in which Jesus isn't real and the resurrection never happened, maybe all that failures and wounds are good for is to help us learn. But Jesus has something far greater for us in our failures and in our woundedness. He shows it to Peter. It's painful. They're sitting on this beach and they're eating breakfast that Jesus cooked over this charcoal fire. It's interesting, there's only one other time and it's in the Gospel of Mark that this word, this specific word for a charcoal fire is used and it's the same kind of fire that Peter was standing around when Jesus was on trial and Peter denied him. And across that same fire in front of Peter's best friends that Jesus walks him three times through his denial. Peter knew what he was doing because he's grieved the third time Jesus asked, do you love me? Now, it it might feel cruel that Jesus is taking Peter back to that most painful of failures when he denied the Lord Jesus. But notice what Jesus isn't saying. He isn't saying, hey, this is no big deal. Don't worry about it. It's not a cheap forgiveness. No, Jesus actually loves Peter and he's his friend. So he's deeply hurt by Peter's betrayal. God cares a lot about what we do and say. But he also isn't saying to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you know that I love you? And that's because Jesus' love for Peter never changed. Jesus is the one that stays constant. Jesus is the one that knew that he would betray him. And he took that betrayal to the cross. Now he keeps asking him, do you love me? And he's saying, even in light of your failure, do you love me? Are you going to keep your failure from my love? Are you going to allow your failure to keep you from my love? Because I'm not going to let your failure keep me from loving you. And one of the things that God does with our failures and our woundedness by taking us right to them and into the pain is that he's allowing us to acknowledge our failure so that we can actually begin to grasp the most beautiful and confounding reality in the universe, which is that God actually loves us. And the question for us is, are we allowing our inconsistencies, our doubts, our failures, or our wounds to keep us from drawing close to Jesus? Are you taking yourself so seriously that you can't take Jesus seriously at all? Uh, This reminds me of Elsa of Arendelle, uh, if you're a fan of the film Frozen. Elsa's a fascinating character because she's trying to figure out what to do with this power inside of her. And so for most of her life, she tries to control it, to conceal it. Her song is conceal, don't feel, put on a show. 
Make one wrong move and everyone will know. But of course that makes her isolated and lonely and powerlessness, powerless. But so then she gives in to the power and she embraces her destructive behavior and she ends up isolated. Neither her hiding of her power or her embracing its destruction brings healing. The thing that brings healing is her sister, Anna, and an act of true love and an act of perfect love actually lays down her life for her. She's willing to die for Elsa despite her failures. And that's what makes Elsa free. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Not even ourselves, not even our failures. And when Jesus takes us to our point of failure, he's calling us to look on him in our failure and see that he has not changed, that he smiles on us. That's what sets us free to love him and to love others. The love of Jesus is complete enough to take us to the deepest, most shameful parts of our story and say, lift your head. I see you. I forgive you. I think you're lovely. But also what going into our failures with Jesus can do is that he frees us. He uses our failures, our wounds. He redeems them so that we can share God's love. Every time he asks Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. He gives him something to do. Feed my sheep, tend my lambs. Jesus had good work for Peter, love work. And he actually used Peter's wounds of failure to drive that work. He calls us into the the hard parts of our story and redeems them so that from that place of brokenness that has been healed, we can go out and offer ourselves to others. How are you expecting God to heal your wounds? Often if I fail, I hope that God will give me a success that'll make up for it. But Jesus is actually powerful enough and wise enough and good enough to actually use that wound to bring love and grace to others. I grew up without a father dealing with the failures of someone else. And for a long time, I resented God and I saw others that had close relationships with their fathers and that fueled resentment toward them and toward God. And it was only in my late 20s and early 30s that I realized that from my place of fatherlessness, God was actually driving me to himself that actually I could find myself accepted as his son, he as my father, but also he was driving me to others who also had the same wound that never had a father. And not simply to say, man, doesn't it suck that we didn't have a dad? But to actually offer myself as one who could be like a father 
one who could look after and be interested in those who were hurting in the exact same way. Now that doesn't make the pain go away. That father wound will remain forever, at least until Jesus comes back. God meets me in that pain. But he also gives value to it. He gives me something to do with that pain by redeeming it for the good of another. And it's actually by showing up for others that real healing has begun in me to go along with the sorrow God meets in both. The redeeming of our wounds becomes the place where God works powerfully. So what good are our failures? What good are our wounds? Could it be that God is allowing you to sense your own woundedness? Because one, he wants to meet you in it to show you his love. And also because he's preparing you uniquely to see those who are hurting like you and to move toward them. What if he actually wants to use you to give someone else a taste of his love? That is the supernatural work of grace that only Jesus can do.